open your cerebral cortex and shift your lobes into upper beta phase because you are going to have Bitcoin knowledge transmitted directly into your vestibulocochlear. Your host of Bitcoin Knowledge is Trace Mayer, an early Bitcoin advocate since it cost a quarter, but this is not intended to be investment advice. A doctor of jurisprudence, but this is definitely not legal advice. And an investor in core cryptocurrency infrastructure, including Armory, BitPay, Kraken, and Mitagio, but this is not a recommendation of those services. Here, you get fed via direct mind download with pure and free Bitcoin knowledge. Welcome back to the next episode. We have Michael Perklin from Bitcoin Sultans, president of that, and also a director of the Bitcoin Alliance of Canada and the Cryptocurrency Certification Consortium, which you can find at cryptoconsortium.org. For those who might have seen the panel that I was on at Coin Summit, where Steve Waterhouse of Pantera moderated, I mentioned that it would be very important for us as an industry to develop new standards, much like information systems standards, traditional accounting auditing standards. We're going to have to mix a lot of these things and create some of our new standards for this new cryptocurrency industry. And that's exactly what Michael Perklin's been doing at this Cryptocurrency Certification Consortium. He's come up with three different certifications, and so we're going to be talking about those. So, Michael, first, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Trace. Yeah, and can you give us a little bit of your background? Sure. So, uh, I've been involved in information security for uh, the last decade of my life. I was previously employed as a digital forensic investigator and a cybersecurity investigator. I left all of that to follow Bitcoin full-time because uh, as a cryptocurrency and with my passion for cryptography and information uh, security, it, it was just a perfect match. Bitcoin Solvents perform security audits for a variety of different companies in the cryptocurrency space. We've worked with Ethereum, we've worked with exchanges, we've worked with gambling sites, anybody who needs to secure large volumes of Bitcoin. It was through my work with Bitcoin Solvents, uh, when we were trying to hire new staff, we realized that while some candidates would say, yes, I know Bitcoin and I understand Bitcoin, after asking them a couple of questions, it, it became clear that they didn't truly understand Bitcoin as well as they thought they did. For example, they'd say things like, oh, yeah, it's that anonymous, untraceable currency, isn't it? And I'm sure your, your listeners know Bitcoin is definitely not untraceable. It's highly traceable. And uh, while it can be used anonymously, Bitcoin itself is not anonymous. So rather than making a test for these candidates to, to prove their knowledge, we realized that we weren't alone in this. We're not the only company in the, in the cryptocurrency space who has a problem identifying true talent in Bitcoin. So we decided to create a nonprofit organization, C4, the Cryptocurrency Certification Consortium. It's just a hell of a lot easier to say uh, C4. Um, and this nonprofit organization, we gave it the mission statement to build uh, common measuring sticks against which the cryptocurrency space can measure standards. Our first project was personnel standards. And uh, to that end, we created two exams. One is the Certified Bitcoin Professional Exam, or the CBP. The other one is the Certified Bitcoin Expert Exam, or the CBX. So... Capital One, for example, they did a job posting looking for someone who is familiar with virtual currencies and Bitcoin. Overstock has been wanting to hire people familiar with Bitcoin. When I was at Money 2020, 
I made sure that the panel I moderated, an entire section of that was on the difficulty of finding the human capital. Because mm-hmm. all these payments companies, all these financial companies, anybody who's going to want to be coming into this space, for the most part, it's been just very hobbyist. Everybody just brewing their own thing, and there haven't been a lot of standards for it. And so everyone's a Bitcoin expert these days, which is kind of scary. And, you know, as long as you know a little bit more than the next guy, you are an expert to them, right? And not a lot of people know anything about Bitcoin. What are these two different certifications and how can the people who are running businesses that might be listening to this podcast really apply them? Because when I think of the audience, you know, we got people in Bitcoin land, but we also got, you know, CEOs or other C-suite executives at whichever company they want to learn about Bitcoin. So they're listening to the podcast and they decide, you know, we're going to take the plunge. Dell's taking Bitcoin. They're eating our market share. We got to do something about it or whatever company. But they're not technical. They're not CTOs. They're not coders. Like, how can these two certifications help everybody in this space who's thinking of moving into Bitcoin-related stuff? Great questions. So what's important to realize is that uh, every industry so far has some kind of a certification. If you're dealing with networking, uh, there are a variety of networking-related certifications. If you're dealing with security auditing, there are security auditing certifications. Accounting, there are accounting uh, certifications. So Pass the bar to be a lawyer. Exactly. Pass the boards to be a doctor. Pass the get your pilot certificate to be a pilot. I mean, we got a lot of these these things to make sure that we don't crash the plane or cut the wrong artery or whatever it is. Exactly. Now, I'm not going to lie here. There are a lot of very strong professionals out there who know far more than anybody who holds any kind of a certification. Then again, there are a lot of people who hold certifications who may not necessarily know as much as somebody who doesn't. Uh, Just because you have some letters after your name doesn't immediately make you an expert. But what it does do is that it shows that you have a minimum level of knowledge to attain that. And also you have the drive and and the will to pass an exam, to study for an exam, to pass it so that that you can show that to to your hiring manager. The reason for this is in most cases, hiring managers don't necessarily understand the subject matter when they're hiring someone. If someone is hiring an accountant, usually it's not another accountant who is is making that call. It's an HR person. When you map that onto Bitcoin, most of these companies that you mentioned, whether it's Capital One or Overstock or Amazon, exactly. or like whoever's going to need to hire a Bitcoin expert. The reason why they're hiring a Bitcoin expert is because they, they, don't, have they don't have that <laughs> knowledge in-house. So they have no idea how to differentiate between somebody who truly knows Bitcoin or somebody who doesn't know Bitcoin. Other than Satoshi himself uh, walking in and saying, yes, I wrote Bitcoin. Uh, the best anybody else can say is I've studied it a little bit. So what the Certified Bitcoin Professional Exam does is it measures people against a, a minimum amount of, of knowledge to use Bitcoin. Uh, it's the equivalent of a driver's license for a car. This applies to accountants, to lawyers, to sales professionals, to anybody who needs to work with Bitcoin in their daily lives. It covers knowledge points such as what is a confirmation and why do you need to wait for a few of them when you're accepting a payment? How many Satoshis are there in a Bitcoin? Um, what is the difference between an address and a key? How do I back up a wallet? How do I restore a wallet? These are all concepts that you and I take for granted because we've been in the cryptocurrency space for a long time. What is a private key? Exactly. Uh, many people uh, who are, are new to cryptocurrencies, these are completely foreign terms. That the, These definitions are meaningless to them because they don't know how it all fits together. So a certified Bitcoin professional knows how to use Bitcoin. 
By contrast, a certified Bitcoin expert is somebody who has a very high level knowledge of the internals of Bitcoin. These are equivalent to the mechanics of the car instead of the drivers of a car. Uh, certified Bitcoin experts can uh, create a, a transaction manually. They can apply digital signature manually. They can customize the scripts in Bitcoin. They can uh, interact with the API calls and uh, I- integrate Bitcoin technology in other programs that they're that they're coding. So with these two certifications, it covers all the areas of Bitcoin knowledge, whether you just need to use it in your day-to-day job or you need to program with it. The difference between the two exams is one is online and one is in person. The CBP exam is a 20-minute online exam where you have to answer 75 multiple-choice questions. The reason why it's a 20-minute exam for 75 questions is because through a lot of trial and error, we found that the 20-minute mark for 75 questions is the perfect mark where if you know the answers to the questions, if you know the content already, you're able to answer each of these questions with no problem. Most people finish the exam with an average of about 14 minutes. Whereas if you don't know the content and you have to use your favorite search engine to, to look up the, 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 the answers to each question, you will run out of time and you will not attain the minimum 70% to pass. That's how the Certified Bitcoin Professional exam is structured. And the exam itself was built with collaboration from a lot of already recognized professionals and experts in the field. Names such as Vitalik Buterin, Peter Todd, I myself, of course, helped in it. Uh, Andreas Antonopoulos reviewed the exams. All of us sort of came together to build this exam to make sure that it, uh, it accurately measured the difference between someone who does know and someone who doesn't know. Well, how about the Certified Bitcoin Expert then? Uh, is it online tests also, or are we just kind of handing these out to anyone who can use Google? Uh, no, it's not an online exam. The Certified Bitcoin Expert exam, uh, we hope to release it by the end of, of, uh, of winter. That is going to be an in-person exam where you have 250 questions that need to be answered on paper. We're partnering with Bitcoin centers and testing centers around the world where if you have interest in taking this exam, We'll identify the, the nearest testing center to you, arrange with them uh, a time for, for you to go in and write, write the exam in a proctored environment in person. You'll have no access to online material for, for searching. You'll have no access to any What What's the expected aids. time to take this test? 250 questions and uh, we're, what, we're, three we're hours still, or so? We're still finalizing the exam, but we, we want to make it equivalent to some of the, the other higher... Um, higher higher education? Sets. Exactly. So I, I think two to three hours uh, would, would be reasonable. It would be equivalent in difficulty to becoming a CA or to earning your CISA or your CISSP certification, if, if your listeners are, uh, are familiar with those certifications. Now, you mentioned go to like the closest uh, Bitcoin center. Or testing center. A lot of people not, might not be familiar that we have these Bitcoin centers. Like you have Decentral up in uh, Toronto. We've got the Bitcoin Center in New York City. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are what are some of the other ones? We got what Denver, San Francisco, Australia. Denver ha- has some. You're right. There is one in Australia. Uh, we're, we're partnering uh, with a gentleman who's interested in, in proctoring these exams uh, in, in Australia. Uh, in Montreal, there's the Bitcoin Embassy. In France, there's the Maison de Bitcoin. These are popping up all over the world as co-working spaces, as uh, Bitcoin information centers. It's important for your listeners to know that. We're not only partnering with Bitcoin centers. That is ideal. Uh, if there's a Bitcoin center in, in your local country or your lo- local neighborhood, uh, that's the best place to go with. Well, because you might find a tutor. 
Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> absolutely. Um, but uh, where where there is no uh, Bitcoin friendly building uh, in, in a localized area, we'll partner with classical testing centers. Most certifications partner with these types of testing centers where all they do is allow people to come in and write a test. They proctor exams for dozens upon dozens of uh, certifications. So, so we'll be leveraging these institutions where Bitcoin centers aren't uh, aren't available. Man, that sounds really, really helpful. Uh, could screen resumes for people who have these certifications and then you, you don't have to weed through a bunch of people who can't even pass the coding test that you might give them. Say you're looking for someone to work on a wallet. We've had that problem at Armory. We look at their resumes. Oh, they look like a good candidate. So we send out the coding test and we never get an answer back right. <laughs> three weeks later and it's completely open book. It's that hard. We'd also like to bring certification classes to conferences. So for example, if there's a, a developer-centric conference uh, coming up, uh, we'd like to get a room in the conference center where we can close the doors for two hours and any of the developers who are attending this conference, uh, at the end of the conference, if they want to uh, try their hand at earning certification, they can do so right there. Yeah, see, all this is just great at helping to professionalize the industry, helping it to really become uh, much more kind of standardized, uh, predictable, uh, and really, you know, get the work done that needs to get done because we got so much potential and so much work that needs to get done with this. Now, what is this cryptocurrency security standard? It's the last thing on the on the list to kind of talk about. I mean, yeah. what is it and why is it important? Well, um, as I mentioned, uh, C4 is a nonprofit body that is developing standards and developing measuring sticks uh, against these standards. Our first project was personnel certification. Our second project is security certification. There are so many companies in this space who are all taking completely different approaches to security, and uh, some of them are quite successful. Some of them are not as successful. And the only easy way that you can compare one company to another is if you're familiar with all the various features and services from that company so that you're able to compare an apple to an orange as a fruit. But not, not everybody is a security professional like myself. Most people uh, who just need to use Bitcoin, all they see is a bunch of bullet points on MTGOX's website that says, we're secure, we're fast, and trade at high speed. Yeah, they're all nuts to me. <laughs> That's right. So um, it, because everybody is implementing security in a different way, it's difficult to compare one company's security offerings from another company's security offering. And that's where the cryptocurrency security standard comes in. We have broken down all the things that make a secure cryptocurrency system into a discrete list of aspects. For example, an, an aspect could be how a key is created, how the key is stored. Make sure there's proper entropy. Exactly. Make sure that there's proper key stretching. All of these things, right? Exactly. And for your less technical in the audience, uh, it's really just about how you make a key, how you store a key, how you use a key, and when you're done, how you decommission a key. Those are the four steps in the life cycle of a cryptocurrency key. And every company has a different approach when they are performing these four tasks. So by breaking it down into these common steps and all the common risks associated with each of these steps, now you can easily compare with accuracy the offering from one company uh, to an offering from another company because you're looking at all of the common ways that they're doing these, these things. And you no longer need to get confused when, well, this company has two-factor authentication with uh, phone or, or with SMS, but this one has it with Google Authenticator. And are those the same? Are they not? Uh, we break it down to... When in reality, they might both be able to serve a man-in-the-middle attack, and so they have control over all of the keys or could potentially have control over all the keys. 
uh, like some of our quote-unquote multi-sig wallets out there, like BitGo or Coinbase, for example, as opposed to uh, being able to generate all of your own private keys and storing them yourself with something like Armory. They are completely different types of wallets, like in terms of the security profile. But for people that are just reading the sales page, they can't, they, compare. They can't compare. They have no idea that one is steak and the other is like an apple. I mean, they have no idea that they're not anywhere comparable. Exactly. So um, C4's mission statement of uh, making these common measuring sticks uh, where it makes it easy for someone who doesn't quite know the space to to know if this person knows Bitcoin or doesn't know Bitcoin, or if this is a level one secure system or a level two secure system or a level three secure system uh, with simple numbers like this or simple certificate letters like this person is a CVP or this person is not a CVP. Uh, people who don't know are now able to make informed decisions about hiring and informed decisions about which wallet to choose. Yeah, because a lot of times it's, oh, well, Bitcoin's open source. Just read the code. You know, and the best wallets, they have to be open source so you can read the code. But how many people actually can read the code and then of that how many people actually do read the code and in this case if most of our security professionals building the wallets and whatnot have this certification then they can go and begin certifying their competitors really you know and as long as it's done openly and objectively and their competitors are going to be the ones certifying them and you're going to be able to point to the code, and I'm sure all the the experts who are certifying, they're they're you know if you're not doing it objectively and you have some type of bias, you're going to get called out on it. We have a security working group already in a Google group where we have lots of the CEOs of all the wallet companies, and we're already collaborating on a lot of these best practices. So I really think that this is going to be exciting for helping the community as a whole really raise the security game that they're bringing to the court because we need to help people secure their private keys. And we need to make sure that we as an industry, if we're in possession of private keys of other people as custodians, that we're securing them to a very high standard. Absolutely. Standards and certifications have made all of the other industries that we deal with in our daily lives uh, a lot um, more predictable. Thank you. I mean, all the way from cutting hair. We have certifications for hairstylists. We have certifications for lawyers, accountants, doctors, pilots. Uh, security professionals, cooks, like uh, across the board. And, and by having these certifications, it, it opens up many doors for the next level of, uh, of services. For example, if there are insurance companies that want to provide insurance for a, a wallet service or for, uh, for an exchange, they may not know if that exchange is... Level is, one is, or level two or level three or level four. They, they, and being able to do the well, risk assessment if, if, if and there are level one, two, three, four, it makes it easy for them. But uh, w- without a common system to know that there's a level one, two, three, or four, all they can really do is say, well, my developer says that uh, we're secure, therefore you should uh, provide insurance for us. So this common standard of, uh, of measuring level one, two, three, four makes it easy for the insurance companies to get in, makes it easy for the the large auditing firms to come in. And I guess it brings Bitcoin to the next level so that uh, the rest of the enterprise players can, can jump in. Well, this has been a great interview. Uh, we've had Michael Perklin, a director at Global Alliance of Bitcoin Canada, also the Cryptocurrency Certification Consortium, uh, C4. You can find it at cryptoconsortium.org. Thanks so much for coming and helping build out this Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast, which is raining Bitcoin knowledge on us, and then helping us understand who else out there really knows and understands Bitcoin enough that they can also have this expertise and share it with us. Thanks for having me, Trace. Be 
sure to get a copy of the free Bitcoin Guide at freebitcoinguide.com. Got a question or suggestion? Record your voice at bitcoin.kn. Don't be shy. To help the show, share Bitcoin.kn with friends, post about it on Reddit, and otherwise, spam the interwebs. Your iTunes comments and five-star reviews are very important to us. Please continue tuning in to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast, where we release interviews with the top people in the Bitcoin world. Now take some choline and let that Bitcoin knowledge consolidate. Yeah.